Hello and welcome to episode 95 of Retro Encounter, the weekly RPG fan podcast where we'll talk about game journals, we'll go for consoles, we'll go for retrospectives, who knows. Anyway, this week we are starting our next game journal episode and today we are talking about a point-and-click classic. Uh, point-and-clicks are kind of a genre that's kind of died a little bit after probably the release of this game and have sort of recently made a resurgence in the video game industry through indie games. Um, joining me this week is Josh Curry. Hey everyone. Welcome back, Josh. Woo! Hey. Hey. And I have not heard that name on a podcast in far too long. Definitely. I'm sure lots of people are very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> we like some realism on this podcast. We like some truth. Um, and also, you also heard there, uh, Mike Salosi. Hi, everybody. I'm sure people are sick of me by now, at least the past six months. <laughs> and me. And me too. And thirdly, we have Marcus Gasfall. Hey, everyone. I'm back. And I'm Wild Armor on the boards. Good to see you, everyone. Hey. We have four veterans here of the podcast, which is really nice. And as I hinted, point and click classic that is both well beloved by critics and also it's kind of a sad milestone in the genre in that a lot of people consider this game even though it was critically adored it sold really badly and essentially brought down studio lucas arts and the genre in particular the game we're playing this month is grim fandango which is one of tim schaefer as you've probably all heard of of monkey island fame of Psychonauts as well of more recent times and also some other really great games over the years. Uh, but from what I understand, I feel like everybody... Am I right in thinking that everybody here hasn't played this before? Uh, this, is my fir- this is my first time playing Grim Fandango and only my second time playing a LucasArts adventure game. This is the first. First, like, ever LucasArts, you're saying, Marcos? Yeah, very oh, first. Nice. Oh, wow. wow. Nice. Uh, I've played other uh, LucasArts games. It's the first time with Grim Fandango and will absolutely be the last. (laughs) (laughs) Insight. I told you we want a realism. (laughs) Realism and truth. But yeah, uh, I'm in the same boat as Josh. I've never never played Grim Fandango. Um, I've played uh, Secret of Monkey Island and a couple of other games that Tim Schafer and LucasArts have worked on. But Never this one, and partially because of my age. It came out in 1998, I believe, maybe 99 over here. Um, it was five. I didn't really understand what was going on. I saw pictures of it and thought, oh, square skeletons. And I remember one of my brother's friends was really into this game, probably, and I can see why, for its absurd humor and everything. But um, I suppose, has anyone got like a history of playing point-and-click adventure games? Because this is widely... Con- at the time, it was widely considered one of the greatest examples. Uh, I think, Josh, I mean, you seem to have some history with LucasArts games like me. Uh, I'm assuming this wasn't your first, and you got a particular favorite or anything? Um, Full Throttle, like hands down favorite. Yeah, good one. Full Throttle is the that's... only other one I've played. <laughs> that's one I haven't played. <laughs> yeah, that one's really, really good. That's when they... Uh... When they started announcing like Grim Fandango, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna bring this back," and I was like, "I was just waiting for them to announce Full Throttle." I think that was actually, like, if you look back on Twitter, like that was what I responded to that announcement with. Um, <laughs> I was you, one of those you, annoying, you did, terrible people on the internet. But you did get it, get that announcement uh, two years later, and I was ecstatic. Um, uh. I'm slightly scared now about it. Um, 
well, I mean, we've kind of hedged around it. I am not enjoying Grim Fandango. Mm. Um, and I think part of it is, is just some of its sensibilities haven't aged well. Um, and I kind of assumed it was going to be like Full Throttle, but I'm guessing it actually is like Full Throttle. I'm just not remembering Full Throttle like it actually was. Well, um... Maybe... I mean, I'm I'm, I'm I'm struggling to remember Full Throttle perfectly too because I played that thing 20 years ago in a, in basically two sittings at a at a sleepover. So I, I and I'm remembering Full Throttle as this just sort of this amazing game experience. And I'm, and the reason I haven't bought the recent remaster of it is because I'm a little bit terrified of going back to it and seeing just how janky it is. Uh, but I'm I'm I. Uh, I, I never owned any of the LucasArts adventure games, but the older brother of one of my friends had almost all of them. So, huh. like, at a sleepover at, his fr at my friend's house, his older brother was out of town or something. He said, hey, do you want to play my brother's, like, cartoon biker game? And I'm like, sure, let's do that. And we, play and we played uh, Full Throttle for, like, four hours, and it ruled. And then, uh, like, a week later, I went back to his house, and we finished it. But... I, like I was aware of Grim Fandango because I think that the same friend's brother had it, but I've I never played it. I it had this tremendous reputation, but because I didn't play a ton of those old uh, point-and-click adventures, I I never got to it. And for a long time, it was really hard to get to get a legal working version of those games. Yeah. 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 It made it really difficult. Hmm. That was one thing I think. The remasters come about because so many people couldn't get hold of Grim Fandango. It was mm -hmm. they made a fair amount of copies of it, but just the way it just didn't sell. It didn't really make an impact when it came out. Like critically, as I said in the beginning, it was everyone loved it. Like it's got really high like nines and tens and everything, and it's widely considered the what's the magnum opus of the point and clicks of the nineties, I suppose. And I think I strive don't struggle to see why, but the like the difficulty of getting hold of it. I think we had a copy of it on a floppy disk, maybe at one point, and hmm. yeah, we couldn't get hold of the box. But no, um, Marcos, have you had any experience with LucasArts or any other point and clicks? Um, not really. The only uh, experiences I have with them is from why watching YouTube when I was uh researching it's uh like the WY system or whatever uh they used to like have their mu like their interactive use of music in each scene specifically with monkey island yeah like how you enter a different scene and then the music would like uh either add or subtract or would change uh in a certain way and <laughs> i i think there was like a like a commentary on one of the remasters of monkey islands that says like yeah i made the wi system but really no one cared about it it was just a waste <laughs> of time uh, <laughs> i really felt bad for the guy i was like oh my so like, but you know what? It wasn't until like 2009, 2010, 11, or 12. It was much further into my college uh, days that I remember looking that up. But besides that, I, I, I do know that it was very difficult to like obtain a copy of Grim Fandango because I was trying to find one too. And I was not going to pay like 50, 60 bucks from where I was finding it. I was like, uh uh, mm -mm, nope, nope, I'm going to have to wait for the remaster. <laughs> well, and yeah, it, it, it happened. I don't. I don't think the scarcity was an issue, which uh, which Alana alluded to. But, but like the, the thing was getting it to work on a machine that was you know right. more recent than Windows ME or something. Very true. Yeah. And that's how it was for me. Is I like I played through like Monkey Island and Day of the Tentacle, all that like all those 
worked on literally every computer you could ever own. And Grim Fandango fell in this like weird in-between zone where it didn't work on everything you had currently, but then as soon as you bought a new computer, it was almost out of date. At least that's how it worked for me. <laughs> and so then it didn't work on my new computer. So like it fell in this just complete yeah. in-between zone that it was just impossible for me to play. See, I didn't even pick up the game to even te- test that out. I was just not going to have any of it because I didn't want to pay those prices. And then, like, when I think about it back then, it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe I could have uh, picked it up and, you know, joined the bandwagon of not being able to play it by having this, like, cultural icon in my room just unplayable. It's catch. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, uh, I mean, we were... Uh, it was a little difficult to get working copies of the old LucasArts adventure games, which are, you know, beloved by a lot of people. But then they, I think, I want to say in like the late 2000s, maybe 09 or 2010, they uh, put the first two Monkey Island games in a remastered version as uh, PC downloads. And then recently, the past three years, you've had Grim Fandango, then Day of the Tentacle, and this earlier this year, uh, Full Throttle, back to back to back on... Um, Sony, I think I think it was Sony Systems and PC. I think am I? Yeah, for sure, that? Sony. Yeah, yeah. Grim Fandango's definitely got PC remaster. And, so. and, and so, I have yeah, a folder I'm, I'm, on my Vita with all of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm super glad for that too because these are games that I mostly miss the boat on, except for two weekends playing Full Throttle at a buddy's house. So I, I've owned Grim Fandango for over a year, fully intending to play it, and this episode gave me gave me a good excuse to do so. Yeah, I think I picked it up for free on a PSN uh, deal one month. It was one of the free games, and I just thought, yeah, this is good. I'll pick it up and play it at some point, and I've just never got around to it. I played the Monkey Island games when I was little. I played them with my brother, so I've had a fair knowledge of the company's history. I've also played Day of the Tentacle, which is kind of whimsical and funny in a similar way to this game. It's really funny when you talk about that this game wouldn't run on old PCs, because when you look at it, it doesn't look particularly groundbreaking, I suppose, but at the time it was, it looked pretty great. But I mean, I'm, are we all I'm, playing the? Go for it. Sorry. I, I'm surprised that you actually don't think it looks good. Um, that was the most surprising thing to me uh, when I started playing through it. Is I was actually surprised by how good it looked. Maybe I mean the pre-rendered backgrounds are good. Um, it's not that at all. I don't think. I think it's just for the timing. I think my maybe my expectations are blurred because now that I think about it, all the PlayStation 1 games that you see in 98, 99 is way below the standard. And I think it's maybe perspective of age because I didn't really, I didn't understand what things were meant to look like in 98 and 99. And sometimes are you really pulling the age card on me? I am pulling the age card. I pull the, <laughs> I pull, I pull the age card. I'll also pull the... This is why I don't come around anymore. I know, the European card. I'm not saying that you guys are old. I'm saying that I'm young. I'm not <laughs> Oh, yeah, that makes it sound so much better. Yeah, jo- Josh, you're, Josh, you're the second youngest person here. Come on, man. I know, but <laughs> she's still making me feel old. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> I make everybody feel old on the site, so it's fine. Even the well, people who are younger than me. Well, welcome to Retro Grumps, everyone. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but, okay, it's a skewed perspective. Um... Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I don't know. There's just something a bit off for me. Maybe it's the it's the weird style of it. I'll just put it down to that. And it's really bad boxy. Opinion. Yeah, bad opinions. I'll put that down to it as well. 
<laughs> well, I mean, but, th these are late 90s polygons, and I think they're pretty crisp for being late 90s polygons. Oh, but but that But that look has not aged great. I mean, I, 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 I think that the... Um, the character models in Final Fantasy VII have don't don't look very good now, but oh, no. and and this is a, a similar thing. I mean, it's a it's a you know a look that's sort of of its time. But I don't have any I don't have any major problems with it. I think it I think it looks all right. Yeah, it pulls it off. I think you've got the you've hit the nail on the head for me. It's a product of its time, and I think that's something. I, that's a phrase I'm probably going to come back to over the next two episodes because. From Fandango is definitely a 1998 PC point-and-click game. I definitely think that. Um, yeah. So we'll just... Oh, someone was going to say something. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I, I was going to say, like, even though the, uh, the the character models are a little dated, some of the stuff like the like the camera work is really excellent. Like, right when you switch from year one to year yeah. two, you do this big camera pan that's up, uh, up, up Rubicava, that's just this really, really sort of epic piece of game cinematography that I thought was like, whoa, this is this this is awesome. This is giving me chills. This is 1998. So it's yeah, like it's... E even though even though like the character models have aged, maybe not great. A lot of the like visual choices that the game makes, I think, are are really really good and have hold held up well. So yeah. on that, I I feel like it's really important. What is everybody playing it on, and what uh, camera style are you using? Yeah. Oh. oh, okay. I didn't even spot you could change camera style, so I've just left it at whatever the default is, but I'm playing it on PS4, so... I'm also playing on PS4 with the default settings. Marcos? I'm playing it on, uh, on Steam through the PC with a uh, point-and-click. Yeah, that's that's probably the best. I'm, I'm on PS4, but I switched, because I love trophies, I switched to the old-style tank controls. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> You, you, yeah. you have you have to get that trophy. You have to switch to tank controls before you leave Manny's office, and oh. then and then and then use Shoot. and then use that control style the whole game. Yeah, Alana, you shouldn't be disappointed. It is terrible. It is <laughs> real bad. Yeah, I was actually um, gonna say like, didn't it, like start off as like tank style controls when it first came out? I think so. No, yeah, because it so. yes, the controls I have are supposed to be at least reminiscent of what it was originally. That was, oh. Tim Schafer was like adamant that it had to be in the game because that was the right way to play it. And <laughs> let oh, me I tell you, it is not the right way to play it. <laughs> the only game that I uh, that I accept tank controls with is Katamari Damashi. Every other game, I just want to get rid of tank controls forever. Yeah, that's so they're, they're so annoying to deal with. And for some reason, even though when you're even when you're playing normally, it goes back to tank controls whenever you get into a vehicle. Oh, do you, do you remember like oh. um, Alana? You remember getting into the uh, getting into uh, Gladys's car for the first time in the, in the forest oh. near the end of year one, and suddenly the controls just feel like you're wading through peanut butter. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't think I physically just wanted to throw something. It, it took was me dreadful. two. It took me two minutes just to get into that stupid bunker in the clearing. You yeah, want to hear the best part? What? The car oh. controls are the best part oh, of movement for me. <laughs> oh, awesome. Like, what, however bad you think that car is for you, times that by like 10, and that's my normal movement. Excellent. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, oh. Yeah, no that thanks. car is awful. I remember doing that bit, and my boyfriend was watching at the time, and he was like, 
can't you drive it properly? I was like, you drive. I handed him the control and he was like, how are you playing this? I'm like, I'm just trying to reverse the car. I'm just trying to get out of it. Pick up the sign and go into the forest and put the sign down. That's all I'm trying to do. I, got I can't so, even get I, I got so mad. I, I ran into a glitch where the uh, I tried to um, disembark from the car, but I was wedged against a wall in a bad way or something. So uh, it, I got stuck in the animation of Manny trying to walk off of the car, but he was just oh. walking. In, he was just walking into a into a wall, and I got stuck there. So I had to, I had to reset and do the entire uh, um, hose and tree farm puzzle over again. Oh man! And I yeah, that was that was yeah. that was a low point of my week. I'm afraid. Was... Yeah. That's weird because I had a similar situation where I got out of the car in the in the forest bit. So in the bit where there's all the extra um, doors that you have to, you think you have to go yeah, through. Yeah, we'll I, I was I was I was in the screen <laughs> I was in the screen right before then in between the tree farm and the and the multiple doors. And it froze. It froze on me, and I thought, "What are you doing?" And I hadn't saved before doing the hose bit. I was like, "You are kidding." It took me like 20 minutes to figure out the hose thing anyway. Right? How long have you guys played games? Well, you save well, every time you achieve something meaningful. Man, I didn't th- I didn't think it was meaningful walking from the walking from the tree farm one <laughs> yeah. screen to the left. I didn't think that was meaningful enough for a save. But you did complete a puzzle. Yeah, I'm doing that now, if, but I didn't expect the game to crash on me. Look, I made poor choices, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah saved, I completely I saved before, agree. I saved b- before a puzzle and not after a puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse. I glitched uh, during the puzzle with the oh. uh, tree farm. Jesus, all, I, all of us are just running into walls yeah. in this stupid puzzle. Marcos, yeah, yeah, are, was... are, you, are you making it four for four, Marcos? Yeah, I did. Uh, in the practice, <laughs> when I got Galatis oh going up the, uh, the uh, thing to spin him around, he just started spinning, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got you okay. got stuck in the spin animation. Yeah, he just said that, and then the screen went did uh, the uh, isometric thing, the look down. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, I okay. Uh, he picked up the cart while being a foot away from it. Proceeded oh. to slide away from the cart and end up inside of the control switch box. <laughs> oh, oh. So it wasn't just me. I was freaking out when it happened. I was like, no, 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 and I was googling. From Pandago crashes. It was common, not in that particular bit, but the fact that all four of us have had it in the same area is <laughs> a little bit, a little bit creepy. But uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm a little surprised with this. <laughs> yeah. Before we jump into puzzles, I want to go over the kind of year, the first year story a little bit. So we start off. Manny Calvera looks like death. He's apparently a travel agent, or. A, Basically, his role is to guide people through death and sell them the best package to go to heaven or wherever. And so there's multiple different ways. So basically, they're travel packages. So the best one is the number nine express, which is a train. Only the best and most really, like, really good people get on that train. So the journey is normally four years and extremely dangerous going through <laughs> forests and oceans and everything. But if you get a ticket for the number nine train, it, ta- it it's guaranteed safety. It only takes four days. And it's just the first episode is basically set in in the uh, establishment and also in the forest. So what does everyone think of Manny so far? I like his narrative. I like his narrative voice a lot. He's uh, yeah. he he he's very no nonsense. A little bit a little bit sarcastic, um, uh, and 
and he, he's funny. He's got he's got quips, and uh, everyone around him seems to be slightly more ridiculous than he is, which is a, <laughs> a, which is I think mostly a good a good choice by the writers because he allows him to play the straight man a little bit. But it's um in general I like him as a protagonist. He's definitely a plain Joe, isn't he? Compared to he likes to flirt. He likes to flirt with his PA, PA. I can't remember her name. Um, he's not her PA, but that's what she refers herself to. Oh, uh, kind of uh, jest. No, not Carla. Um, no, that's Ava. Ava. Amy. Ava. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he like his boss is a really exuberant, loud, grumpy old man, and then there's the oh Domino, who's just he likes boxing. I mean, yeah. everyone's got their own little quips, but Manny is kind of the plain Joe. He's like the typical character, the typical lead character in a film noir. And he, thing, he, and I think and he has he has a big scythe that folds up like a switchblade, and it's <laughs> awesome. It's the coolest thing. I love him. The, the, I absolutely. Uh, the, the sound effect of him folding up the scythe and then unfolding it, and then the blade going shing afterwards is just so satisfying. Yeah. So when he unfolds it, the bell rings as well. Yes. And also when he folds it back in, it love that. shings. It's so nice. I love the premise of this game. It's probably like it's the main reason that I wanted to play it. Like, Death Travel Agents is just kind of, I, you know, you don't ever expect it to hear in a sentence. And it's just like, I really want to do this. I really want to be the person who sells packages to people. And the game does really well at running away with the main theme, I think. Manny is a really great character because he is so plain. Not plain, but like normal he's so easy to attach everything onto like all the other characters are crazier than he is and he just manages to carry things quite well um and he makes his you know i'm quite happy if he came along and kept like took me out and took me to his travel agents but what okay what? Where, where we go with this i don't know My, <laughs> do you know what i'm so tired it just happened so, <laughs> so you're saying he's 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 you know Quite handsome and suave for a skeleton man, I guess. Yeah, why not? All right. He's not suave enough, though. I know we're talking about the first year, but <laughs> I, I need to get this out. I get this off my chest. Super disappointed beginning of the second year when, uh, like, oh, you're going to want to meet her. And he didn't say something like, oh, I'll throw her a bone or some sort of bone-esque <laughs> humor that came out. Like, I, I was really really hoping for that oh oh so you're you're a little bit disappointed in the lack of bone puns is what you're saying yes because they they set it up like you're gonna want to meet her and i'm like and right away is like oh he's gonna bone her no and i was like that's that's kind of funny and then (laughs) i was like hoping that he'd say something something bone-esque I was like, uh, Marcos, I think we should we should secede from this podcast (laughs) (laughs) I think it came in in the wrong podcast. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to get through all nonsense, basically. <sighs> oh, but you know what? Uh, I do agree. I like uh, Manny because he's kind of like your average Joe worker. And then you get like the Domino, who's like your slick American worker that's a hot shot. He's like, hey, Manny, how you doing? And then he says, I, I love the saying, like, this used to be my office. He's like, well, ain't that with pits or whatever like that. It's like, well, you can have it when I'm gone. Yeah, like Domino's like a sleazy car dealership guy or a sleazy lawyer or something compared to Manny, who's uh, Manny's sort of like unlucky and a little downtrodden, and Domino is the slick 
guy in the office who has the same job as Manny, but he gets all the best clients and is way more successful, and, and he sort of lords it over Manny a little bit. It's it, it, it's interesting, and it, uh, it also becomes a little unsurprising when you realize that Domino is in on the scheme that at least drives the, uh, the plot for most of the first year of the game. Yeah, they do a good job setting up Manny from the beginning of being overall like a good guy willing to help. Um, so his first client like doesn't have money for anything, and he still gives him a walking stick, which it seemed like they, I got the impression that he didn't even technically have to give him that. Um, and so it, he just there's a huge dichotomy between him and Domino because it is one of those like person fully in it for himself, while Manny is coming across of trying to make everybody better <laughs> to a certain degree. It's your walking stick. He even has a compass on top. <laughs> <laughs> Nice touch. When when he said that, I was sure you were gonna get the walking stick as an item later and would need that stupid compass because sometimes the <laughs> item management in this game gets a little bit hairy. Yeah. So you have Manny, who's a uh, who is a travel agent in the land of the dead. Uh, it, it, everything in the game is stylized after the Mexican Day of the Dead. So like like all of the characters are skeletons or sort of helpful, big colorful demons, and Manny's a little mad that uh, Domino get, always gets the good clients and Manny always gets stuck with, you know, sinners that can't afford anything, uh, any good travel packages. So he gets the idea to steal one of Domino's clients and uh, I, I think we're going to get into, like, this, the stupid illogic of this game <laughs> because his plan is to get two balloon animals, fill them up with different chemicals, uh, so like gum up the uh, the pressurized mail system with these chemical filled balloons, then sne then like putting a playing card with the hole punch in it into the into the tube to get it to um to slow down the system, then memorizing one of the names on uh, one of Domino's tubes and then poaching that client from him, and that just seems like eight steps too complicated to me, guys. So I actually don't have a problem with his process. Okay. As, as insane as that is, like it's kind of ingenious. The problem is that there's no, there's no rhyme or reason for you to choose to go that direction. Fair. Because there's, yes, you look at the lead in and it's like I need better clients. I'm like okay, and that's it. There's there's nothing else. So you're like oh, all right, well I'll wander upstairs. I'll talk to some people. Maybe they'll give me a client. No, no, no. I'm like all right, well yeah. there's a part. Like there's a parade. Maybe I'll go to the parade. No, that's not there. And so you just start aimlessly wandering around. And I, we were kind of talking about before the show, like walkthroughs and whatnot. Like to a certain degree, like a walkthrough is almost necessary, sadly, which I hate doing for games that I, when I'm trying to experience them for the first time. Mm -hmm. But like, there's no, absolutely no indicators to lead, like, even insinuate that you're supposed to go in a certain direction. Um, yeah, and, and that, I, I, that's what's that's probably frustrating for me. No, I'm I'm with you too. There's uh, like. I don't know how they get to how you how a player going into this cold is supposed to get from I need new clients to visit the balloon guy, put chemicals in the balloons, go to the mail room, stick uh like hit the deadbolt in the mail room after you gum up the mail system. That all of that just seems so illogical and the puzzle solutions are it makes just unusual jumps of logic in a couple places in this game, and we've only played the right. and uh, Grand Fandango takes place over four years, and the four of us have only played the first two. Like that, I I had a problem sometimes. Marcos, did you have any any weird issues with the logic, like the logic of the plot of this game? 
Well, the thing is, like, like when I think about how old this game is, and like just thinking about old like uh, adventure games, like especially PC ones, I just remember playing like certain games just being way too elaborate. You have to talk to, and this is just like even to RPGs, you gotta talk to every NPC, choose every option, get every little thing. And I thought maybe I should apply that to this. And the first thing I did was just go explore, and I went right to the balloon guy, got every single balloon, right. and just just arbitrarily chose like whatever like hey there's bread i can click on that bread i'm stealing that bread mm-hmm. i have stolen the bread uh and like, it got to a point where i did need a walk through at some point because like it was a, uh, it was the card it was hole punching the card would not have thought of that oh. on my own like i got the filament into the balloons i was like wow that actually worked and i'm like maybe i need <laughs> another one so I went back, grabbed the second dead worm, uh, blown animal, <laughs> and filled that up. And after that, I was like, it, I think it was the yeah, it was even before it was before even that, like uh, the hole punch thing. It was uh, where to stick this stuff. I'm like, I thought maybe I got to go to Domino's, uh, like little message chamber and put it in there, but he keeps right, it locked. I- Right, I was I was sure that um when you when you get the uh the deck of cards and the ace of spades is um separated from it, you would have to cheat someone in a poker game or something. So I'm like, all right, so I need to find a card game so I can beat Domino at cards and steal a client or something. So, but but no, it it's, it went it went a completely different direction. And I, I I did use a walkthrough for this game. I I tried playing it without a walkthrough, but. I mean, at least over the first two years of the game, I I went and ha- and had to consult it at least eight or nine times, include and oh. and and I think the first time was probably the balloon animal chemical explosion puzzle, which is like the second puzzle of the game. It took me a while to find that stupid string of flags to climb up to my boss's office. I found right. it by accident. That was by accident. So and I guess that it sounds like. At least I have the advantage because I did play a lot of these games when I was younger. Um, the downfall is, I, I'm guessing it's point and click for you, Marcos. Yep, so it's a lot more easier than that. Yeah, because you, yeah, you get I, actually I, I trained can't... on pixel hunting. Yeah, and, we, and you we, just we, click, we, click, we, click, yeah. click, 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 click. And you can't do that really when you're on a PS4 because you have to actively move and it does not do a good job of lining up. And then you add tank controls and it's really, really terrible. Yeah, you, 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 can't mouse over, <laughs> you can't mouse over something to see if it's an interactable object on the PS4 version. Right. Uh, like with uh, Day of the Tentacle, you can at least do that stuff. You can pop out and actually have an indicator go across the screen. You can also have a, uh, there's like a cheat system almost, or like a hint system that pops up all the things that are interactable. Um, and I, I know it makes the game much easier, but I think it, I think we have different expectations for games in 2001 or whatever, 2017. Easier. Like, <laughs> And so we we are a little bit used to holding our hand, which I don't think is fair to knock the game for that. But there is something to be said about having some sort of guidance so that people feel like there's some sort of sandbox they're playing in. Whereas this just seems like things are just seeping everywhere and we're trying to grasp at straws and it's just not working well. And, you know, I I wasn't aware of that uh, that hint system or the, you know, pause to mouse around system in uh, Day of the Tentacle remaster. And I, I mean, I think it's a little bit telling. That remaster was one year after the Grim Fandango remaster, so that's probably a change they felt they wanted to make or had to make. And I, I would, I would like that in this game. Just, just, just saying because sometimes, oh boy, like like finding the hole puncher on Ava's desk or uh, what's another one like, um, 
what uh or or, or like like what the interactable ob objects are in the uh oh no no where where the entrance and exit are in the stupid uh high roller lounge in the second year mm -hmm. like it took me it took me a minute just to find the exit because i didn't know i had to walk behind the curtain and then down like <laughs> a hidden door elevator thing yeah I, I i that that's a that's a a change, a quality of life change I would have liked to have in this game. Yeah, yeah it just it makes it more tedious. Um, and also, you walk so slow, which there is a run button. But oh, I, yeah, didn't, there is. I didn't yeah. find the run button there until about, about 30 minutes in. I was, I oh was, my gosh, you poor people. Uh, yeah, like, no, I, was, I, was just, I was just uh, yeah. strutting around the office until I, I, pressed, I. Just pressed every button until I got one. And then as soon as Manny started jogging, I was like, good, they can get through this game quicker. But. I was really so, worried for a second until I, I I don't remember when I figured out to press R one, but it was I, I don't know I, I think I was looking for pigeon eggs and I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, See, that's that the problem though with tank oh. controls is you, you hold on to R one when you're not moving and he doesn't run. He's a lot of times will just stand still, and so mm. when you're testing out buttons to try oh, to get him to God. walk faster, you're, you're like I'm pushing the button for him to sprint and it has him not move at all. I'm like, well, that's a bad button, so I'm not going to use that anymore. Tank controls sound. <laughs> Sound like you're just playing co-op for the entire game. <laughs> it's, it's been real bad. Pretty similar. Real bad. I think one puzzle in particular that I struggled with, maybe because I was just being really dumb, was the forest puzzle where you just had to keep putting the sign down. So I oh. thought, oh, I'll have to go through the archways it's pointing at. So I'll put the sign down, go through the door, and I'll come out the other end and thought, oh, I'll go and pick the sign up again and put it down. I'm like, why is it pointing the same way? Like, I'll go through it more than once and then suddenly realized upon looking at a walkthrough that no you just have to keep putting it down picking it back up until you find some secret entrance and i'm thinking you assholes for leading me on with those open gates like really i think i think you thought you were in a different 1998 game you thought you were playing ocarina yeah. of time and going through the Fury <laughs> forest like oh i need totally. to go i need to go through this tunnel and this tunnel but no no they they want they were going in a different direction <laughs> in I fairness think... to that puzzle though i feel like that puzzle's a good puzzle yeah, to understand that you're in an arena, you have to figure a way out of it. Like, yeah. Compared to hand-holdiness, compared to, to other things, like that at least is like, there's an aha moment, there's a sense of satisfaction, less so if you look at the walkthrough. But like that is something I absolutely figured out my, by myself, and I felt great. Good. Um, no, I felt like I was, you know, freaking Rembrandt after I figured out how to, <laughs> how to, how to fire extinguish the, the burning beavers. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I managed to do that one without a walkthrough, and I felt like I would—I had, you know, discovered a new chemical element or something. <laughs> because, especially since the puzzles, like in the uh, the, the many other puzzles in the uh, first year, just really kicked my ass. Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned some of the second year. Um, to go over it, I mean, there's a quite big tonal shift, so I should probably mention that. Um, Partly through the first chapter, um, Manny, as we've discussed, um, hacks into and breaks the postal system so he can grab something that's guaranteed to get a number nine ticket. And he comes across this woman called Meche and he takes her back. He can't find anything out about her because apparently she's supposed to have this ticket to the number nine and his computer's not coming up with anything. And he suddenly gets called into his off the into his boss's office and is basically told that client was for Domino. And this is the moment where you suddenly start to figure out that things are biased. So Meche runs off. You go after her to the Lost Forest. Partway through that, you join a resistance group called the Lost Souls. Are that what they're called? If I remember. Uh, Freedom Fighters. 
<laughs> I think I think it's the Lost Souls Association. It's like the LSA, That's I think. It. Yeah, the Lost Souls um, Association. Or Lost Souls Army, maybe. I don't. I don't remember. Something like that, and you basically get drafted into a resistance because they're trying to uncover the conspiracy that the company is. Um, basically, they're trying to unfold the conspiracy that they're they're holding. But um, and, and the second chapter. Oh, sorry. Go uh, ahead. No, no, no. I I have one. I have one problem with the conspiracy that I I'm, I still don't understand. Um, now now we know that we find out that uh, that Manny's boss and and Manny's rival Domino are all in this conspiracy that's run by this evil dude named Hector, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and their plot was at least my understanding was that uh, they were like all of Manny's clients were actually good people, but they had tampered with his computer system so that he would um, sell them bad packages because his computer would tell them they didn't qualify when they actually did qualify. So they would do that to get the number nine train tickets of Manny's good, saintly uh, um, clients, including including Meche, and then Hector would sell them on the black market to people that wanted the, a, a trip on the number nine. So my, my prop... Am I, am, am I accurate so far? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my problem is, um, Manny's boss tells him, you better get a good client soon or you're fired near the beginning of the game, which leads to him stealing a client from Domino. But why, and, uh, but why on earth would they do that? Because, I mean, to the boss and Hector and Domino, Manny's their patsy. Manny is, like, by, by sort of, like, fishing, um, clients through Manny's computer is how they get those tickets that they sell on the black market. So why would the boss try to get rid of Manny and like and prompt Manny to um, to screw up their operation by stealing a client? In well, fairness, did anybody think that he was going to dr drop like C four down the messaging system to have it explode? <laughs> like, if any, if anything, nobody could have planned anything, for they, that. If anything, they should like they should keep Manny at least content so he doesn't try anything crazy like that. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like Manny was their patsy, was their tool, and um, the boss screws it up by pushing Manny into a corner. Yeah, he and planted I, the seed, didn't he, unintentionally. Yeah. So he's like, oh, you've got to do something really good. And then Manny's like, I tell you what, I'm going to strike gold, basically. Yeah, ex exactly. the entire system. So, yeah, it's unusual when you word it like that. And, uh, you, really you, you, and I like your choice of words, planting a seed, because when Hector decides that the boss screwed up, he literally plants <laughs> a seed in his face by sprouting him. Oh, I love that. I love the way that the skeletons die. It's it's kind of terrifying. Like like when, when they when they first describe sprouting, it's like, "Oh, okay, I guess the I guess skeletons can die to plants or something in this game." Sure, whatever. It's the, the just the rules of the game. And then when you see the his boss get sprouted, it's it's grotesque. It's it's dark. No, yeah, he I took don't two know. shots in the chest for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> he took no, two shots in the chest. Yeah, they did such a good job setting that up, though, because it was kind of casually dropped. I was like, "Oh, that sounds bad." Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then and then it, it was just long enough that you kind of sort of forgot about that, and then all of a sudden yeah. it happens. Like, "Oh, callback, Ooh. awesome, absolutely, yeah. absolutely accurate." Yeah, and it was um, and when uh, Lola gets sprouted in the second year, is it's one of the I think is one of the best scenes of the first two oh, years of the game. So sad, so horrible, but um. Anyway, we'll go back. So we're moving on to the second year of the game. And the game takes a massive... As I suggested earlier, it's a massive shift. So 
something I'll refer to probably more in the second episode is the game shift to film noir. And the second chapter is probably the strongest indication of this because basically in the year that's passed, um, Manny's gone to Rubicava, he's set up a cafe there, he's mm. got a gambling business underground, it's all going really well for him, but he's waiting for Meche. The reason he's set this up is because he thinks Meche will turn up. And things and, and, tend and to go want, a little bit sour. I, I think he wants to to make things right by saving Meche because she is a she is an incredibly good person that he inadvertently cheated because he was he, because he was in the scam like he, like she should have had a number 9 ticket but instead he basically just threw her to the wolves and demons of the underworld so he's yeah. I, so like people keep telling him oh you're in love with this Meche girl and he's like no I just want to I just want to you know correct the I, I wronged her and I want to correct that wrong Right. Yeah, it's much more of a story of redemption. Mm, yes. Yeah, absolutely. He's a good man. And he's, I think they use that line specifically, that Manny's trying to be a good man and do good things. But um, So I, I really like the second chapter. I like this kind of shift that it goes through. I do like the narrative overall. Um, but I think the puzzles, again, kind of consistently <laughs> threw me off. Because this is, this is an example. There's like one puzzle. And the puzzle is, you've got to get on this ship there are about eight or nine different solutions that all lead to this route. So you have to do so many different things that seem completely unrelated when you start doing them. It's just so bizarre. I mean, you have to go and like, you have to, one particular puzzle is you have to grab this gold drink in the bar, in the back mm. of your, um, um, in your uh, cafe. And then you take it upstairs. You find that there's some security area uh, by, it was run by Carla. I love Carla. She's one of these Carla, sensible, lovely. Uh, Carla's a long, annoying story that she tells is ex- <laughs> excellent humor, but man, I was ready for Carla to be done with that story. <laughs> oh, I love the way you can interact and it changes nothing about it. Uh... But um, yeah, so what you have to do is to activate this long story. You think, oh, I'll just walk through. There's some metal detectors um, or like a security gate, which you try and walk through and it goes off. And she basically searches you and she's like, oh, you've got nothing. But what you've got to do is drink this gold drink, which has bits of gold in it, which forces her to make you strip search because or make you strip so she can strip search you. And she gets in this really long conversation and you basically end it by going, all I want to do is have your metal detector. And then she throws the metal detector out the window. And the next thing you do is you go down to this, um, it's a, the equivalent of like a Greyhound arena where you bet on giant cats as far as I'm aware. They are giant, aren't they? I don't think we've seen They're, any of them. Uh, they, they have the one big statue of one cat, but, but it's, I, think yeah. it's, I, I think it's implied that they're giant. Yeah. yeah. The, but didn't they have the, like a big kitty litter room? Yeah. yeah no, 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 that, that's what Alana's talking about. You have, you, have yeah. to, you have to find the metal detector in the big like swimming pool of kitty litter. Yeah. By waving your scythe in the air. And I just thought, oh my god. And then, you need to go onto a ship where his name, I can't remember the name of the sailor, but it's the one that you're trying to replace. The oh, cook, it's, uh, is, it, it's, is it Navanha or Naranha? Naranha. Naranha, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, he's getting a tattoo done, I think. <laughs> I, I, I have a question for Josh related to the to the Naranja thing. I mean, Josh, you, you were using tank controls on a PS4, correct? Mm-hmm. How on earth did you manage to like slip um, the uh, s- slip the the strong alcohol into Naranja's oh, drink from God. the from the fridge to the other side of the room while the tattoo guys was were distracted? 
with tank controls because it took me like six tries and 30 minutes to do it and I had normal PS4 controls on. Yeah. Well, Mike, let me tell you. All aspects of playing this game is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I missed so many steps in describing this puzzle that I'd completely forgotten about making the death alcohol sleep drink, basically. Yeah, you have to steal a turkey baster from a, from a different restaurant. Oh, then, go to, yeah. then go to the restaurant that serves, serves really stiff drinks and put the turkey baster in the sink where they mix the drink. And then and then drug the dude with that and and the, these are like three locations at opposite corners of this of the of the town that all of year two is in, and man if I I, I tried my hardest to do as much as I could without a walkthrough but I had to look at the walkthrough every fifteen minutes in the second year. Definitely, I don't think I could have done the second year without it. And Marcus brought up that it's you have to think of it as a product of its age and you have to think of it back as in 1998. But the fact that I'm I don't want my hand held, but I just want, as you've already said, the day of the tentacle hints and the fact that you could use a mouse because there's another game that came out last year. It was only like, I think I reviewed it for the site and it was a 40 minute game that you had mouse controls on it and it was a PS4 uh -huh. point and click where you oh. could point at things and direct the character towards them rather mm -hmm. than walk Manny directly to it. But anyway, that's a kind of a tangent that we've already gone off, but just would have made it so much easier and there's just so many different aspects and even when you're talking to characters so a common criticism of older games is that things are vague but at least they give you some idea of what to do this tells you the general goal get this get a card and get something else and i'll let you on the ship if this person doesn't turn up and it leaves you to color in the blanks basically and it's very frustrating in this second chapter I don't think I would have been able to figure out the uh, um, the ticket taker puzzle. That's like the last. That's one of the last two puzzles of the of year two, without a walkthrough. Because you have to, um, you have to go through all kinds of hoops to to find out, to like get a code from Lola that was hidden in her jacket, and you um and Lola's involved in an affair between three other. That's you know her and three other people in this town, including two of the other club owners besides Manny. And once you and uh, and you you find her that, that you find that she's been killed by her uh, by her ex lover or, or sprouted I should say, and uh, like by and by, you find the ticket that she that she hid in the gambling ring. Then you have to find you you find a machine that lets you make new gambling tickets, and like from the clues in a photograph she left you, you need to find out what like like what numbers to put in the in the gambling ticket. There's no way I could have done that all by myself. I no, no way. Absurd. It was real challenging, and and maybe it's because I haven't really played very many games like this. And and the puzzles in Full Throttle seemed a little more grounded than this. It, am I misremembering that, Josh? It, like I like I could well, when, I, when I was twelve. I played that game when I was I think I think twelve, maybe maybe eleven. And um, me and my friend, who was also eleven or twelve, could figure these out. Like, oh, if we we need gas, and if we hit this alarm, then the police bike comes over, and we can use the tube and the gas can we found to siphon it from their car. It's like that. that I think that... you're forgetting the robotic bunnies that you use to cross a minefield. Okay, all right. I I do remember that now, and I don't remember how um, we how we how the hell we did that. But it, but still, so man. I, I think the the biggest difference is, and I I can't explain the love that adults had when these games came out. Um, but, like, you're a kid. You're an idiot. 
you had no money, so you had nothing else to do, and you had a boatload of free time. And so the idea of you like ramming your head against something, you had nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like I look at a lot of the stuff like I used to do with grinding and like playing really really crappy games. I mean, imagine you're a kid and you bought that ridiculously expensive game because the cover art was super cool, and then you were stuck with it. It might be the only new game you get for like three months. So you played the hell out of it. And I, I feel like that kind of extends to some of this. Like, I, and I remember these games. Like, they did not bother me at all. Like, and I, I, they have the same stupid logic. Like, I have no idea how I figured them out as a kid. But mm. the only thing I can contribute to it is I had a boatload of free time, and this is the only thing I had to play. I think, I mean, we we've we mentioned this earlier. I think that the dialogue in Grim Fandango is really good. The mood is really good. It like it does a lot of cool things narratively and visually. Um, but the puzzles have aged poorly, and I don't. And I'm with you, Josh. I don't understand how someone could have uh, very much nostalgia for this brand of puzzle design because it is some hot nonsense, man. I, so I want I want to make this very clear. I love every part of this game when I am not playing it. But overall, <laughs> because I, at the end of the day, I have to play it. I really, really, really hate this game. Do you think? <laughs> Maybe the absurdity of the puzzle solutions is sometimes down to the setting and the characters. No, no? because wait, I don't. Wait. Even replaying like Monkey Island and stuff, I feel like I can at least oh, get my like way rubber, through. Remember the rubber chicken in Monkey Island? Yeah, that was a bit frustrating. Yeah. If I were... mm-hmm. They're but... in all the games. It's just like what age you played them at and what else you had going on in your life. I suppose so. I don't and, know, and, there's just the wall in front of it for me in this one. I feel like... Uh, honestly, if you, like, read a synopsis of what Manny does to solve a puzzle, like, like the idea of, oh, collecting bones from a beaver dam made of bones and then luring these flaming beavers into a tar pit and hitting them with a f- fire extinguisher, <laughs> it, it sounds sort of absurd and delightful and kind of, like, great. It's like, oh, man, th- this is a wacky sense of humor and this is a really clever plot, but figuring those those like wacky plot points yourself is sometimes a nightmare yeah Yeah. and then they have the added benefit benefit i'm putting that in question mark um you can collect items that you'll never use yeah oh yeah you don't even use the deck of cards in in act one you just use the one ace of spades in it you have leftover balloons that you don't use yep um yeah so the, the there, there's almost like red herrings inside of the inside of the item, so it, it, you can't even be con- convinced that like, okay, I I'm confident I have all the items. I have to be able to solve it with a combination of this. Because first of all, there's a decent chance you don't have all the items, and then beyond that, you might actually have all the items, but it doesn't mean you have to use all of those. And so it's not even very necessarily indicative of how you need to solve the puzzle. Yeah, and sometimes you might even need to use two together, which mm-hmm. is a common trope. But yeah, which is fine. Can't, I'm used to you that. can't always. Yeah, I'm definitely. But sometimes it's two really bizarre items together. Right, and then so, that's yeah. where the inventory system of it not being a classic, where it's like a grid, and you just drag them on top of each other, like oh, now they're interacted. Yeah, it, it makes it a little oh, bit right, worse yeah. too. Yeah, it does. It's pretty annoying. But it, what's also really annoying is even though these puzzles take me forever to figure out, and I think like you've just said they're really quite clever and actually and when i look back at them i think do you know what not that they're obvious but they make sense in the grand scheme of things I... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I... I 
like, it feels like it fits in. Mm. Okay, it, it, it fits the tone of the game and fits what they're doing. But I, but I would, I would challenge the notion that the puzzles, the puzzle solutions in this game make sense. <laughs> it makes sense in the tone of the game. That will do. I'm more like, concerned like, I mean, about I mean, okay. you a lot of that. You think they make sense? I, like well, that should like, be the conversation. If it, if, it, if, it, if it makes sense to you, like, I mean, have you read Franz Kafka's The Trial? Because that may be the world you're living in right now. Well, I mean, I did, and I studied it, so maybe. That's <laughs> oh right. no! So, I am an English major, so there you go. Well, well, uh, well, yeah, Josh Josh and I are math and science majors, so we live in a world of cold, cruel logic, I'm afraid. I definitely wouldn't be able to figure them out, though. I mean, it's a good comparison in Franz Kafka's The Troll, because that book is weird, and, yeah. I think for myself, I will defend Grim Fandango. There was one other uh, point-and-click adventure game that I did play, and it was The Longest Journey, and there was a couple of like baloney scenes in it like one of them was like getting something in the rail like a railroad track or just whatever like you needed like uh something that clamps open but the way to like keep it open you have to clamp something around it and what you used to open the clamp was a rubber ducky the thing about this is it has a hole so you have to i think patch up the hole or let go so you're lowering it down and when it deflates uh, it'll pick up the item, and then that's how you get that item. And I would never, in my wildest dreams, think about doing that in that case. Uh, As a kid, I did not finish The Longest Journey, because that game was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and you, that one has some crazy puzzles. Like, But one of them makes made sense, even though I look back, I'm like, that was so stupid. It was a detective uh, that was just standing guard somewhere, and you need to get pie him. And the way you did it was... You literally give him the craps. Uh, you you wow. d- dip some candy inside of some some like cr- like crap on the street, oh, like just man. legit, just oh. like you're dipping uh. and you giving him. He's like, eh, forget about it. He eats it, and then he's like, what was in that? And he just like runs off. And that's the way you get by him. That's about like that one. That's about genius. the same level of uh, the same level of like moral questionability as as drugging the dude and pretend and then putting his dog tags into a flowery corpse so the so the mortician reports him dead so you can take his spot on the boat it's like 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 adventure game 90s adventure game logic is is absurd and and, and part part of us playing this game for this month is navigating 90s adventure game logic and and uh, I haven't really started the second half of the game yet but I I'm I'm sort of I'm fascinated to see where the plot goes and what kind of ridiculous shenanigans I have to pull, but I'm also slightly dreading more of these puzzles. <laughs> yeah, this is making me remember my childhood very differently. As I think has been evident so far, I seem to be in denial. Um, so, I suppose, at the end of chapter two, at the end of year two, sorry, uh, we see that Meche has been taken away by a ship, by Domino, and Manny has made the decision to go after her. He's got on the ship, and basically the um, chapter ends and fades in with Glottis, who we've not spent a lot of time talking about. We, I'd yeah. like to talk about him on the next episode for definite. We, we'll, but... we'll, have, we'll have to go over favorite characters, including Glottis, yeah. over the next episode, because Glottis yeah. is awesome. Glottis is pretty is great. <laughs> he's pretty fantastic. But he's basically, like he did with the car earlier, he's decked out the ship into some kind of awesome flame... Everything. He's just completely decked it out into 
kind of like pimp my ride. He's like pimp my ride of Grim Fandango. Why not? Um, but um, he's the exhibit really, of I... Grim Fandango. <laughs> yes, that is literally what I think of every time he opens his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> oh man, he's fantastic. But um, I suppose where we've had the big tonal shift between year one and year two, year three. Not really sure where it's going to go from my perspective, but Marcos, do you have any ideas of where the story might go? I mean, I suppose Meche is definitely the end goal of this game, but where do you think we're going to end up with her? And I, I definitely think that he's going to reach up to her, and I think there's going to they're going to probably dive back into the uh, the Hector uh, plot, maybe bringing in Domino right. uh, back into it, seeing that. He was a big case. Like I, I kind of want, want them to. At least that's what I want them to go back to. And I'm hoping that at some point, maybe uh, uh, Domino gets sprouted. But so we'll have to wait and see on that one. <laughs> I'm in Man, favor. So I'm smart. in favor of more sprouting death scenes because that is somehow terrifying and beautiful at the same time. <laughs> that's wonderful. Domino would be great to see that happen to you. There, there's two things that I hope the second half of the game addresses. Uh, the first one is like, why did Dom, what, not Domino, why did uh, Meche kick Manny off the ship when he was about climbing in the ship after her, and she, um, she like oh, throws, yeah. she throws something at him that gets him knocked Bottle. off, right, right, Bottle, yeah. right, yeah, yeah, right yeah. at the beginning of uh, of chapter two or, or year two, and I, I, I want an explanation for that because I mean, well, she, she probably we... feels betrayed by him. Yeah, I was going to say, do we need an explanation? He sent her through hell, and it's been a year of just absolute hell for her. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if she's going to associate that with anybody, that's going to be him. And then you have to and remember, may- like... And maybe she views Domino she... as rescuing her, yeah. Right, and that's what I was going to say. They can paint any story they want. Because he basically just said, like, you don't qualify for anything, and then she left. And that, like, he might have been nice to her in the that office, but... They've had. There's been a year of dialogue that she could have had of any sort of convincing otherwise. You're right. I, I may have was overthinking that. But the, the other thing was uh, that Manny doesn't remember his past life and doesn't know why he is in in limbo, which I think is yeah. int- and, and and why he has a debt he has to pay off at the travel agency. So I hope they address that too. I I have to imagine they're going to like that. That seems like a must. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like if they didn't do that, that would dangle too much. Um. The, the bigger thing for me, which I am intrigued to see where that's going to go, I'm more excited to see how they handle the Meche, like, Manny relationship. I think in a perfect world, there's never anything romantic. It's always a redemption story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I would prefer that. Um, but ultimately, I, I think at some point it has to cross over into something more. I mean, don't you guys agree? I, yes. I, 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 I Maybe. I wouldn't be opposed to some, you know... Uh, zero lips, zero skin kissing romance. You don't want to romance. He just <laughs> reminded me of one of the best lines in the game. It was oh. like, um, oh, I kissing can't ass. The exa- yeah, basically. So, uh, Manny makes this reference to Domino kissing the boss's backside, and he's basically like, "Oh, I, you don't have any lips, though." And he's just like, "Yeah, you, you don't need any." Something along no. those lines. What's it like uh, kissing the boss's uh, butt so hard with no lips, or something That's like that? It. Yeah, something like that. But no, it's great. A lot, of, um, lot yeah. of good one-liners I'm... in this game. Yeah, there they are. Oh yeah, I remember the response. I don't need lips when I get it from you. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Oh, so uh, good. That's excellent. Dialogue so much more. It's so good. Um, yeah, I think it's inevitably going to go to something romantic. I would 
I feel like it's a typical film noir thing again that the man sees this woman mysterious and kind of just falls for her. So obviously something is going to happen. I think I want to know, I know Domino is running off with her, but why? Like, isn't, if he wanted to get her a ticket on the number nine, then he could have just taken her back to the office. But there's clearly something else going on here. And there's definitely some, I definitely need to find out more because like has been said, the gameplay is obstructing, but the story is making me go forward. I want to find out what happens next. So as bad as any of these mechanically... I think everything else about it is just about redeemable. I'm, so. I'm going to have a walkthrough with me the whole way, but I am very excited <laughs> to see where the story goes. I'll try and do one or two things. I'm going to try and hold off of it a little bit because we've got a little bit of time and it's not a particularly long game, but I'll try and see what I can do with my brain and see if I can get back some of that magic from the late 90s where I could <laughs> you know, click a couple of squares and find it. As long as I get my platinum at the end of the game, after having to play with tank controls the whole time, if I don't get that platinum, I will lose my mind. No, man, you're you're gonna miss oh. one line of dialogue yeah. that, oh. that that'll force you to replay an entire oh. year of the game. I'm at 100% right now, and I've been doing different saves for each like major milestone, <laughs> so I can go back if I need to, and I double check that I have everything, and then I can overwrite for that segment. You're determined to make this a one playthrough game. I, I I meant what I said at the beginning of the podcast. I will never ever ever play this game ever again <laughs> i mean at least you... not in take control mode no i will never play this game ever again <laughs> nope this is the, this is a one-time special That's it. This, if, if i could if there was a disc when i finish the game and it goes to credits i would take it out and snap it i'm oh, done with this <laughs> wow come on not, not even for collector's purposes I will literally erase it on my Vita and my PS4 as soon as I'm done with my Platinum. That's painful. <laughs> I don't think I could go through the Platinum. I'm not a Platinum person. I don't mind. You, you can get that Platinum and be fine. I'm going to ask you that at the beginning of the next podcast. Hold me to that. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll be excited I, to tell us. Pay attention to my Twitter. I guarantee you I'll take a, uh, at least a couple yeah. of about it. I will keep an eye on that. But I think... We are about done with this half of the game. Uh, we'll be back with years three and four in, I believe, a week or two. Um, we don't actually have a game plan for next month. We've got some secrets goings on in the background. so Yeah, we, we, we'll may, we may figure out next month's game like right after recording stops. <laughs> we're, we're are we using sure. my idea? I, we'll we, we'll have a, we're gonna have a discussion. I'm not I'm not sure. We we need to flesh out your idea a little bit at least. Yeah. Ooh, excited. My ideas are always the best ideas. <laughs> we haven't had any of those for about six months, man. I know, and look where yeah. the podcast has gone. Jeez. Oh, now I'm sad. <laughs> but yeah, we've got, we have got something in the pipeline for definite. We're doing a Diablo retrospective in the next couple of weeks as well, so that'll be something Ooh. exciting to look forward mm. to. But uh, that about does it for us this time. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Um, if you've got any thoughts, questions, comments, if you want to tell us how stupid we possibly are and how silly we are for using walkthroughs then you can email us at retro at rpgfan.com or you can comment on our forums you can voice your opinions there um and also we'd love it if you could drop us a review on itunes google play any other various podcast listening devices and venues we love feedback especially if it's five stars because that goes a really long way to promoting us and getting us some more listeners and we love that we love people to interact with us but um Social media is now Josh just referenced his Twitter. Where can we find you on Twitter? Um, I am at JD Curry. I'm going to look out for that platinum. Yeah. So, <laughs> I so always happy. boast about it. 
And then and there's always like some sad tweet after about it because typically I, enjoy, I usually only platinum games that I really really enjoy um, because it takes so much time and effort. Um, so there's always that moment I, I delete it right afterwards because you have to have space. It's like oh that's sad that game was so good. I'm going to delete this and be so happy. <laughs> so so, yeah, so, so the follow up tweet's going to be gleeful and not sad. Yes. Got Celebration. Oh. There'll be balloons. Some fireworks. It's 4th of the, July, so fireworks. Will the balloons be twisted up in the shape of Robert Frost? Oh, you ruined this for me now. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not find that funny? Oh. Oh, Josh. I missed you, you humorless troll. Very <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, so, Mike, where can we find you on Twitter and social media? Right. I am Monsoon on the RPG Fan dot com message boards and i'm at the real monsoon on twitter and if you want to see my tweets about you know common rider and heroes of the storm and other boring things you can mm. check out my second twitter evoker for dogs and uh, marcus where can we find you you can find me on the boards uh, uh under the username wild armor like usual and you can also find me uh, at rhythm Roo on twitter Rhythm Roo. You can find me on Twitter at Alana Hagues or I'm Diving Falcons on the boards. Come say hi. Come talk to me. And that'll do for us. Um, join us again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Uh.